are listening to the Innovo Podcast, a ministry of Innovo Vineyard Church in Wichita, Kansas. To learn more about Innovo, you can visit us online at innovovineyard.com. We hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. It's uh, great to be here when we can think on how God in His great wisdom made a way for us when we had no hope. And uh, he has provided us with much, and he has made us free for freedom's sake. So let's use our freedom to share as we feel safe and good to do in our hearts. Thank you, God, for this opportunity to share. Amen. I think the kids are going to stay in here with us today, so I'll, I think this is something we can all get our arms around as we talk about prayer today. Um, so I don't think that'll be horrible. Real quick, a quick update. We did the food pantry on Wednesday, and you know, we had 50% more people show up for food this week than normal. So that's, we're getting more and more folks all the time. So Daria, thank you for your leadership. I'm, I'm not the most organized person in the world. Newsflash. <laughs> Daria is the most organized person that I know, and she just kind of keeps that all moving. And so, and thank you for everybody who helped on Wednesday. That was a big deal, so... Well, hey, we're on a series called Summer of Prayer. We're just taking a whole summer just to hang and learn how to pray. Believe it or not, a lot of Christians don't pray. It sounds kind of weird. It's, it's kind of our main link to the Lord about our life. But yet a lot of people just don't pray. So we're learning how to pray. Uh, we're calling it Summer of Prayer, kind of, kind of a 1960s theme. And we'll have some hippie wisdom at the end that we'll share. But... Um, Anyway, I, I heard about this story in the Clark County Democrat newspaper I wanted to share it this morning. It says, in the small town of Mount Vernon, Texas, Drummond's Bar began construction on a new building to increase their business. The local Baptist church started a campaign to block the bar from opening through prayer and petition. Work progressed right up until the week before opening when lightning struck the bar and it burned to the ground. True story. The church folks were rather smug in their outlook after that until the bar owners sued the church on the grounds that the church was ultimately responsible for the demise of his building, either through direct or indirect actions or means. The church vehemently denied all responsibility or any connection to the building's demise in its reply to the court. As the case made its way into court, the judge looked over the paperwork and shook his head. At the hearing, he commented, I don't know how I'm going to decide this, but as it appears from the paperwork, we have a bar owner who believes in the power of prayer and an entire church congregation that does not. (laughs) There is power in our prayers because we're talking to the person who has power over everything. And that's the Lord. It's not just some meaningless religious activity we do because we're supposed to. Our prayers touch God's heart. And as Rebecca said earlier, when we line our prayers up with God's will, God does some amazing things through us. And it's great to be part of that. It gives us an advantage in the world. And if we can just become people of prayer, if you can become a person of prayer who talks to God according to his will, and you listen and you talk, the sky's the limit of what God can do. 
This is how God moves on the earth today, through the prayers of the church and his people. Now, one thing we've been talking about is that God made us to be a kingdom of priests. We minister to the Lord through prayer. He appreciates it. It's good for him. And as kings, we rule through prayer. Now, this is something I think we can all get our arms around. It's not the governors and the presidents and the politicians and the dictators that rule this earth. It's God's church through prayer. It might look like they have the power, but we find out that it's the people of God who pray have the power to rule and lead society. We all look at the state of our country and our world sometimes. There's a lot going on. And it's easy to feel helpless and hopeless. And honestly, what we tend to do is like, I can't do anything about this. I'm just so mad about what's happening in the world. And we just sit there and sulk and we don't pray. Well, that is not the way that we're supposed to deal with these things. Uh, The real power is in the hands of the church. We rule through prayer in cooperation with the Lord. And when you pray according to God's will, you already have his heart, uh, you have great power and influence. So um, years ago before we started Inovo, uh, Barry and I were pastoring a small church here in town, and we were doing a prayer walk. And we're praying through our neighborhood, and it's just a few miles from here, and there was an adult bookstore in our neighborhood. And as we walked by that adult bookstore, I kind of had a stop, and I said, you know, um, years ago, I was a youth pastor up in Illinois, and I was at a new, a new bookstore open in our town, a little town of, of 26,000, beautiful bookstore. And I looked over, and it had this huge section on witchcraft and the occult, marketed towards students how you can how you can practice witchcraft. And it, it kind of it got me upset. And I just began to pray, God, get rid of this thing. This thing is it's hurting students, it's hurting our town, it's teaching to influence the world, not through prayer, but through witchcraft. And I prayed a month later, that brand new bookstore shut down and was gone. And I told our folks, you know, we can pray for that adult bookstore that's peddling some awful things that are not helping marriages, not helping men, not helping anybody, we, we have influence over that bookstore, and we can pray for God to remove it. So we stopped and we prayed. Again, a month later, that adult bookstore was closed. About three miles down the street from here, it's gone. <laughs> um, there is power to rule through prayer, not based on our needs or what we want. We have to hear what the Lord wants and cooperate with him, and we will see some amazing things. So today I want to talk to us, and it doesn't matter how old you are. You can, you can be 10, and you have influence and power through prayer. Um, today I want to talk about what's one of our main prayer ministries as kings and priests. So let's stand, all stand together in honor of God's word. We're going to read 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 4. If somebody would read that for us, that would be amazing. It's two, two screens, I think. First of all, then, I urge that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all people, our kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of, our, of God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Okay, thank you very much. Be seated. 
Now, the Apostle Paul wrote this to his son in the faith named Timothy, and he was giving him instructions on how to lead his churches that he led. Timothy led several churches. And Paul tells him to do a few specific things. He says this, first of all, okay, number one, <laughs> the ministry of the church coming together is prayer. Okay, Paul, so Timothy, I want you to know this, that you guys need to be praying. Uh, I urge that requests, prayers, intercession, thanksgiving be made in behalf of all people. Bring requests before God for people. Pray for what's going on in your neighborhood, in your area, in your life. Intercede. Uh, this is your first ministry as a church. Now, when we come together, we worship the Lord. I mean, that's, that's an amazing thing. It's part of our ministry to the Lord. We worship Him. We, we're building community. We're discipling as we meet together here in this building throughout the week, okay? But probably the main thing that we do is prayer. That's, that's, that's what God wants. He wants us to pray. <laughs> uh, that's what He tells Timothy. It agrees with Isaiah 56, 7. Talking about the temple, he said, my house will be called a house of prayer for all peoples, okay? Second thing Timothy says, we are to pray for all people, okay? That makes sense. Pray for the people around you, you know, in your neighborhood and in your city. A lot of believers only pray for themselves and their families. Now, let me tell you something. It's good to pray for yourself, it's good to pray for your family every day. We, we, Mary and I spend time in, in prayer in the morning for our girls, our grandkids. I pray for my grandkids, that my grandkids, are, they're very young, that they're going to know the Lord at a young age and make a difference in this world. We pray that for them every day. Uh, it's good to pray for yourself, but we also have to pray for people around us. Your prayers have power, and we need to be praying for folks that you work with, in your neighborhood, uh, your friends. Uh, different things. We need to be praying for all people. Uh, God has us covered. We, spend, we waste some time praying, you know, God be with me today. God help me today. God give me favor. You got his favor. <laughs> he's with you, <laughs> you know. We, we spend a lot of time praying for these things, and it's okay to pray for them, but you, he's got you covered in so many ways. Be praying for the people around you. And then he gets specific, and this is what he says. This is what we're going to talk about today. He says, pray for one specific thing, for kings and all who are in authority, okay? One of the, the, the first specific thing God tells or through Paul to Timothy to do is have your people pray for government. Pray for your government. <laughs> Make it a priority to pray for your government. You know, that's one of the main things we're supposed to pray about as believers is our government. It is. Um, I don't know if that seems odd to you or not, but Paul draws attention to that. And what are we supposed to pray for our government? It says, pray that, that uh, to enable people to live a tranquil and quiet life in godliness and dignity. This word dignity is uh, semnotes, and it means things that have real weight, things that are really important, that we will be free, that we'll have the space to live a life, a quiet life, focused on the things that matter. That's what Paul says, that we'll have that space. Now, do you think the government affects the life that we lead? Yes. It does. The government affects our lives. 
So if we want to live a good life that achieves God's will, we need to pray for our government. And Paul wanted them to pray for for good government so that we can do the things that God wants us to do as his people. He says praying for government is good and acceptable in the sight of God. Do you know God wants good government? God wants there to be good government. It's his will. (laughs) You know, Uh, why is good government important? Because this is what Paul says. Because God, who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. People can't be saved without coming to the knowledge of the truth. And they can't come to the truth if the gospel isn't presented to them. Uh, If the government is opposed to the gospel, it's going to make it harder for people uh, to hear the gospel. So, which makes it easier to promote the gospel? Good government or bad government? Good government makes it easier. Now, our country has had its problems, (laughs) you know, since its inception. But the government of the United States of America, where I've lived all my life, I've been other places too, has mostly been good government. It's mostly been good government. Uh, As a result, the gospel has been preached in our country and through our country all around the world. Uh, The mostly good government that we have has facilitated and supported the preaching of the gospel. Now, where did Paul and Timothy live when this was written? Lived under the Roman government. Now, this is, the, this is the government that ruled the whole known world at that time. And in many ways, believe it or not, the Roman government facilitated the preaching of the gospel. Do you know that? Let me tell you some ways how it, it promoted that through, through their governmental system. There was a great road system of, of roads throughout the entire empire protected by the Roman government. Travel on that day was very dangerous. There are robbers and bandits, and you could... If you're carrying anything of valuable with you, you could die. Man, the Roman government provided this means of roads throughout the Roman system that were second to none. There was great sea travel. So we read through the book of Acts. Paul took a lot of boats different places. Anybody like boats? Like to be on boats? My grandpa used to pilot a river boat on the, on the Mississippi River back in the day. Anybody afraid of the water? Boats make you a little squeamish? <laughs> a few of you. Anybody afraid of flying? You know, so, okay, a couple of you can stay the same ones. You guys are afraid of all movement. Okay. Um, there were good local governments that kept the peace. There was a, a, a great court and justice system in the Roman government. It was the best organized world government of its time. It wasn't perfect. There were some Roman empires or emperors that were a mess and persecuted the church and caused problems. But Paul encouraged the people, pray for good leaders and good government that will facilitate the preaching of the gospel. We want to live in a country where you can tell, talk about Jesus at Walmart, right, Delilah? We want to, you know, it's just everywhere we go, we want to have the freedom to talk about Jesus. And by the way, it's powerful when God gives you a testimony of what he can do, you got something to share with people. Hey, God's good. Man, he can make a difference in your life. Let me tell you what happened to me. That needs to be told. We want to live in a government where we're free to do that. Now, for us here today in the U.S., our government hasn't been perfect. Uh, we've had to grow into some justice issues. 
and we've seen that in the last few years especially. Uh, abortion has been the biggest sin of our country with 64 million children wiped out over the years. We've not talked about that much. 64 million children never getting a chance. Slavery in our early days was tragic and horrible. And there's been a lot of problems facing us. In fact, we'd have a, if we wanted to talk about what we don't like about our government right now, we could talk about it for a long time probably. <laughs> There'd be a lot of things we could talk about over the last few years. But the concept and structure of our government has been good as long as people have had the courage to live it out. It's been a good... Our Declaration of Independence, our Constitution has easily been the greatest founding documents of any country in the last 250 years. It's been good. Uh, That's why the U.S. has been the center of missions and evangelism for the world. Good government facilitates the preaching of the gospel and living out our godly purpose. Good government is the will of God. As God's people, we need to keep praying for good government. It's part of our job and responsibility. Um, Now, here's where it gets a little tricky. Our prayers for good government have to be connected to what God wants, as expressed in the Bible. We have a lot of political political opinions and thoughts and ideas. You know, every, every group thinks that the current president could be the Antichrist or connected with the Antichrist. It was Trump, and then it was Obama, you know, and then it was Bill Clinton. You know, it's just different. We just... All this, you know, we all have our political opinions, okay? We need to know what the Word of God says about good government, and that's what we need to pray. It's part of our prayer ministry, okay? Uh, 1 John 5, 14 through 16 says this. This is the confidence which we have before Him. When we come to God in prayer, we can come with confidence that if we ask anything, ding, 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 according to His will... He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know we have the request which we ask from Him. How can we know what God's will is that we can tap into in prayer? How do we know? Ask Him. We have the written Word of God that spells out so many things that are God's will. Right there in black and white. Okay, or red, depending on your Bible. Uh, The basis for successful praying for the government and for anything uh, is knowing that you're praying according to God's will, and that's primarily revealed through His Word, also through the Holy Spirit. Okay? So if we don't have good government, what's the reason? Not been praying. Okay, we've not been praying. You know, a lot of people criticize the government and criticize politicians, okay? And that's human nature. And I've seen and heard horrible things said about presidents and leaders. And you know God's ministry to you, through you, is is not through criticism of the government. Don't, don't elbow anybody or point anybody. Just, God's ministry through you as part of the church is not through your criticism of the government. It's not. In fact, the criticism of the government gets in the way of our ministry, which is praying for our government. Okay? If we spent more time praying for our government than criticizing our gov- government, we'd have less to criticize. Okay? Uh, criticism is the opposite of prayer. 
Do you know that? Criticism is the opposite of prayer. It's a lack of faith. It's like we can't do anything, so I'm going to use my words to lash out and cause some damage because I don't believe my prayers are going to do anything. (laughs) Our power, if we believed in the power of God in us through prayer, we would do a lot more praying for our government than criticizing our government. And we have to pray in accordance with God's will and not my will. We all have political opinions. We all have things we see happening. We've talked about this before. The, it's not a political solution that's going to make a difference in our country. It's people turning to the Lord. It's what Georgina prayed. The church especially humbling ourselves before the Lord and coming to Jesus. You know, that's what's going to make a difference. So we have to pray according to God's will for our government. And we have to believe, we talked about this last week, we, we find it so hard to believe that so much depends on our praying. But it does. We think the government is outside our control and woe is us and things are going to get worse and I guess we're just going to have to take it and blah, 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 because we don't have any power or influence and we just miss the whole thing that God is wanting to do through his people. There are limitless possibilities for influence and the power of God as we pray according to God's will. See, the Holy Spirit only works through our prayers when they line up with His Word and with His will. So we have to know His will. We have to know what He wants. God, what do you want to do here? And we get all this emotion around this political stuff. We are more politically charged up today than any time I've seen in my lifetime. We, are, we have emotion. Man, you've got you to be careful the conversations you start because, man, it's going to be, there's going to be some passion behind it. <laughs> you know, we got a lot of opinions, so we just have to be careful, you know. One of my things is, you know, I want, I don't want to be afraid to talk about anything as a pastor, but I, but I want to do what's going to be productive for us and helpful for us. There have only been really two issues that I've talked about over the last three or four years that have been political. One was the killing of George Floyd. We spent, we spent 10 weeks talking about social justice because the church can do better and we become, can become the leaders in, in, in treasuring people and loving people and treating people right. And the second one is today. We're talking about abortion today a little bit as we talk about government. Not designed to do this, but it's going to be part of what we're talking about. I don't want to be afraid to say that. I'm not. So let's look at what the, God says about the government in his word so we know how to pray. Some examples. Uh, we started this series talking, out, talking about Elijah. Remember that? Uh, James said Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed that it would not rain, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. And then he prayed again, and it rained. And the, power, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Okay? Could you imagine praying and, this, and the rain stops in our entire nation for three years. That's what Elijah did, okay? Uh, Ahab was king. Ahab was not a godly leader. Elijah lived about 600 years before Jesus was born. Ahab was the king. But the Bible says that God kept the rain from falling through the ministry of Elijah. Elijah had the power. Ahab couldn't stop the rain. Uh, Elijah knew and applied the truth about God's word to the state of his nation, okay? 
Now, in Deuteronomy, Moses warned the nation of Israel if they were idolatrous and had other gods besides Yahweh, besides him, that he would hold back the rain. Did you know that? If you don't follow me, I'm going to hold back the rain, God said. Okay, this is what happened. And Israel was living in idolatry during Elijah's time. Deuteronomy 11. Moses wrote this to the people. So if you faithfully obey the commands I'm giving you today to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and all your soul, then I will send rain on your land in its season, in autumn and the autumn and spring rain, so that you may gather in your grain, new wine and olive oil. I will provide grass in the fields for your cattle. You will eat and be satisfied. Be careful or you will be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. Then the Lord's anger will burn against you, and he will shut up the heavens so that it will not rain, and the ground will, will not yield its produce, and you will soon perish from the good land the Lord is giving you. In Elijah's day, they didn't have supermarkets. There was no Dillon's. If it didn't rain, the people were in trouble. And God says, follow me, and I'll give you rain. So Elijah prayed that rain would stop according to the word of the Lord through Moses as part of the Old Testament scriptures. Elijah knew what the will of God was. He prayed it. And then he prayed for the rain to return three and a half years later. 1 Kings 8, 35 through 36. Solomon, when he dedicated the temple, said this. When the heavens are shut up and there's no rain because your people have sinned against you, And when they pray towards this place and give praise to your name and turn from their sin because you have afflicted them, then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your servants, your people Israel, teach them the right way to live, and send rain (laughs) on the land you gave your people for an inheritance. So when there was evidence that God's people were turning back to him, Elijah saw it, he prayed according to the word of God, and the rain returned. Our prayers are effective when we pray according to God's word. We have to know what the Bible says. Now think about this. The entire creative universe was brought into being by two things working together. The word of God and the spirit of God. Everything that we see, everything that exists, those things came together. And in prayer, we want to draw on those same exact things. God's word and his spirit And when we pray, ankles are healed. When we pray, people get jobs. (laughs) When we pray, God is at work and moving and doing things, and people are coming to the Lord, and we see movement in our family and in our jobs and in our lives. It might not be instantaneous, but it happens and it comes. Our prayers touch on these same factors, the Word of God and the Spirit of God, and they bring change. Okay, let's look at, look at a New Testament example. Then we're going to look at one current example, okay? Uh, sometimes the power of the church doesn't come through an individual's prayers. It comes through the prayer of everyone coming together for a purpose. We talk about this. I can pray at home and it's powerful, but sometimes when we all join together and pray about something, man, God just really gets involved and does something. It's a big deal. Um, in this example, the ruler... In the New Testament days was a guy named Herod. He was, a, he was a, a king. He was the son of King Herod who killed the babies when Jesus was born. Remember when Jesus was coming? He was born, and Herod knew a ruler was coming, so he went to Bethlehem and commanded that all the babies were killed uh, two years and under, I think it was. It was probably about, you know, two or three dozen babies 
because it was a small town, but it was still significant. Um, in this instant, in the, in, the, in the days of the early church, the son of this King Herod, um, they, the church was expanding and growing. The Jews were upset about it, so he arrested James, who was a disciple, one of Jesus' disciples, and he executed him, had James killed. Then he arrested Peter and was going to kill him as well. He wanted the church to know who had the power. So he was going to kill Peter. Put him in jail. Put, had four squads of soldiers around Peter so he couldn't escape. And as soon as the Passover is over, he was going to kill Peter as well. Take this, church. This is what's going to happen. Acts, 2, Acts 12, it says this. Now about the time Herod the king laid hands on some who belonged to the church to do them harm... He had James, the brother of John, executed with a sword. When he saw it please the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter as well. When he arrested him, he put him in prison, turning him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending only after the Passover to bring him before the people. So people was kept in prison. Here's the key line. But prayer for him was being made to God intensely by the church. This was a very important time for the church. Who has the power? Does Herod have the power or does the church have the power? We're, we're going to come on these days where we have to know that. Who's got the power? Does the Lord have the power through his church or, or does the government have the power? Okay. Um, so the church began to pray by faith. Okay. He was a bad leader uh, but the church prayed. They prayed intensely to God for Peter's rescue. What does it mean to pray intensely? Yeah, they were serious. It wasn't, now I lay me down to sleep. <laughs> you know, God is great, God is good, let us thank Him for our food. You know, this was, they were praying. You know, I don't know exactly. I, went, I was in Brazil once doing a... Uh, doing some evangelism in Brazil, they had this thing called all-night prayer. They meet for prayer at 10.30, or at, uh, or at church at 8. They're done at 10.30, then they pray all night long. And imagine about 50 people up in the front, and they're just walking back and forth, man, they are praying, and they are praying. And, you, and, we, and we stayed there, and you didn't want to go to bed at night because this was just fun, praying. I mean, they were intensely praying. It was serious, and they were seeing all kinds of things happen, and it was cool. In this church, they intensely prayed. They understood their roles as kings and priests. Uh, they understood what God wanted them to do in this situation. They didn't make plans to storm the jail. Okay, we're going to come up with a strategy. You go around the back, and we're going to break through, and we're going to bust him out. You know, they didn't do that. Their strategy was to pray. And they followed Elijah's example by praying for intervention and rescue on a governmental level. They prayed. And it says, on the very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and guards in front of the door were watching over the prison. I think Herod had some fear that the power of God could intervene. I mean, they had him under armed guard. Uh, and behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly stood near Peter, and a light shone in the cell, and he struck Peter's side and woke him up, saying, Get up quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. 
Uh, The angel said to him, put on your belt and strap on your sandals. And he did so and said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. (laughs) And he went out and continued to follow. And yet he did not know what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. Now, when they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened for them by itself. And they went out and went along one street. And immediately the angel departed from him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I know for sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. The church prayed and the government's plans to execute Peter failed. You know, this united prayer, this this whole thing about angels, we've really never even talked about. That A lot of times when, when God's people pray, angels are released to do all kinds of things. But in this case... The leaders in the entire city found out who had the power, and it wasn't Herod. It was was the church. God can respond to your prayers any way he wants to. He can send angels. He can just do miracles. People can die or live. He can do it any way that he wants to. Um, But this was huge for the church because Peter went on to give leadership for the church for years. But this isn't the end of the story. Let's look at what happened next. On an appointed day, after putting on his royal apparel, Herod took his seat on the rostrum and began delivering an address to them. The people repeatedly cried out, the voice of a God and not of a man. And immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of the Lord continued to grow and be multiplied. It was like a little exclamation point of God on the whole situation. Okay, Herod's got the power. Let's see how this works. And here comes an angel, and he's eaten by worms in front of the people. And he died a miserable death. Who has the authority to rule and influence our world? The government or the church? I'd say Herod sat on the throne, but the church ruled through prayer. Now, do you believe that can happen today? Here we are in a situation, a lot of situations didn't come all at once, been there for a while. We see an erosion of God's will, it seems like, in our our country, in our our world. Things have been kind of getting crazy for a long time. It's not just all of a sudden. There's all kinds of things going on. We have a lot of emotions and thoughts. Um, The situation now that, I'm not not doing this sermon because of this, but it just fits in with what we're doing. There's an amendment to the Kansas State Constitution coming up soon about abortion, and there's going to be a vote. And I've not looked into it a ton. Um, You know, I know know what I think. Um, But I think it's a pretty easy example for us as a church. I'm not telling you to vote or not to vote. That's not my purpose in doing this. I just want to talk about praying the will of God. Okay, we're just talking about prayer specifically. Um, What does God's word say about life in the womb? What does God's word say? Let's look at three things, okay? Uh, Number one, God's at work fashioning the body and the soul of a person in the womb. God's at work. Psalms 139, 13 through 14. David wrote, For you created my innermost parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you because I am awesomely and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. David says, you were at work in my mother's womb putting me together, okay? Number two, babies 
in the womb have the capacity to respond to the Lord and to interact with Him. Luke 1. At that time, Mary got up, Mary the mother of Jesus, and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Uh, Mary was pregnant with Jesus. Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she proclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. John the Baptist is in Elizabeth's womb. Jesus is in Mary's womb, about three months behind in gestation in, in, in Mary. And here are two babies in utero causing the scene. Isn't that kind of interesting? John the Baptist in Elizabeth recognizes the presence of the Lord Jesus in Elizabeth's womb, and, and he gets excited and jumps up and praises the Lord. <laughs> and then they're filled with the Holy Spirit and everything just starts to move. Here are two pre-born children in the womb responding to the Lord and honoring Him. What does God say about ending human life? Leviticus 24, 17 Anyone who takes the life of a human being is to be put to death. Exodus 20, 13, you shall not murder. Numbers 35, 30, if anyone kills a person, the murderer shall be put to death on the testimony of witnesses. Deuteronomy 5, 17, you shall not murder. Just the word of God is clear. This is, this is an easy one for us, okay? I know there are political issues at play. I am talking about how we should pray and what the will of God and the word of God is. Uh, on top of this, twice in the Bible... Bad leaders and governments tried to kill children to stop God's plan. Pharaoh in the land of Egypt, knowing that Moses is coming along, said, kill all the babies when they're born. Knowing a deliverer is coming who is going to rescue the people uh, in Egypt. Um, kings in Israel sometimes enticed their, their, their uh, were, they were enticed to burn their children in the fire to bring the favor of idols and different deities. Um, Herod had the babies killed knowing that the Lord Jesus was coming. I look for patterns, not an isolated incident here or there, okay? Um, the pattern of the enemy is to stop people from rising up by killing them before they have a chance to do it. I look at 64 million children killed in the last 50 years. How many evangelists could have come out of that group? How many great men and women of God could, could have come out of that group? The enemy sees the potential of people and tries to stop them. He can kill people when they're, you know, entice people to be killed when they're, when they're in the womb, when they're children, or when they're adult. He tried to kill Peter through Herod when Peter was an adult. The, the word of God is clear. What's the will of God concerning babies? That God says don't destroy life. We're, we're to pray for the, the, the keeping of life. We should, we should pray for abortion to stop in our nation. Or at least we should pray that it should be severely restricted. We have different political viewpoints, okay? We have different thoughts. There's a, I know there's a lot of things at play. This is not a simple issue. But what does God say about life in the womb? He creates it and he's for it. And we're not, we're not to take life. Um, no one's saying that a mother's life is not precious, no one's saying that we shouldn't fight for 
the mom. If a mom's in danger, definitely there needs to be steps taken. You know, rape or incest, this is things we talk about in our, in our country today. You know, and I'm not here to give you answers about those things. You've got to figure this out. Um, I, had three, I had three identical triplets in my youth group in Illinois. They were rascals. They looked exactly alike. Hardly anyone could tell them apart. Of course, they played on that and had some fun with that too. You know, they came about as a result of a rape. These three boys became leaders in my youth group and worked with our junior high kids and, and tried to follow Jesus. And, and their mom was raped years ago and they were the product of that rape. I'm not saying that's, that, that's the answer for everything, but you know, so many would say, no, take, that, take those lives. And they didn't. And I, I really enjoyed those kids in our group. What, what do we need to do? <laughs> okay. What do we need to do based on our talk today? Let me just give you some thoughts, okay? Um, whenever we talk, I, I always want to be careful about, I don't want to tell you what to do. I want you to, to know from God's word what to do as much as we can. Number one, our obligation is to pray for our government. Be praying. Be praying God's will. Stop criticizing. <laughs> stop, stop the rants, okay? Uh, there's a lot of crazy stuff that's been going on for years, okay? Pray. Spend less time criticizing and more time praying, okay? We rule through prayer on the earth. You have great influence. You don't like something? Find out what God's will is in his word and pray. Find out what his will is, okay? You can pray opinions. You can pray your heart. You can pray thoughts. I mean, it's not wrong. But when you find God's will and you pray it, it's powerful, okay? Um, number two, realize that to really pray with effectiveness, we need to pray according to God's will in his word. I gave you a sheet today. It's got a whole bunch of scriptures about government, okay? Uh, I resisted the urge to tell you how to pray based on those scriptures. I've got thoughts, okay? I didn't put that down. They're just scriptures, in your time with the Lord, pray based on those scriptures for your government. Hear what the word of the Lord is saying, and you pray according to those things, okay? Um, and, and number three, to be effective in our prayers, we need to know what God's will is, and we need to pray according to the power of the Holy Spirit. You need to know and understand there's power in your prayer, that God can use you. Uh, our, our nation is still a center of evangelism for the world. We can worship with freedom. I am free to live out my purpose right now and to, to preach the gospel and to build relationships with people and to worship the Lord. And you are too. We want this to continue. We need to pray, God, keep the door open that we can give the gospel, that we can make a difference in this world and we can do these things. I respect your right and opinion to, to figure out what you think God is saying about politics today. We have different thoughts and opinions about a whole lot of things. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm, you might not hear another sermon about anything political from me for another five years, I don't know. But I think this one is easy and it's just an example that we need to know what the word of God says and we need to pray. What I, what I thought we could do for just a moment as we close, we went a little bit over today, I apologize for that. Could we, could we just take a moment and do something we probably have rarely done in the life of our church. Can we pray for our government and pray for our leaders? Can we just do that for a minute? Apart from any criticism, you know, you got opinions and thoughts, I got opinions and thoughts. What if we prayed for the Lord to bless our president? What if we prayed for the Lord to bless our 
our Supreme Court and our Congress, our mayor, our governors. Lord, be active. What, what, did, he, what did he say to pray? He said to pray that um, we have good government, that the gospel can go forth, and that we can live quiet lives of godliness and dignity. Okay? Yeah. Well, I got to get my hippie wisdom too real quick. You can. Here, let me turn it on for you. I know that we're running over, so I'm going to be as quick as I can. It's just been burning on my heart sitting over there. I want to give three specific examples of life. I am the result of my mother being raped. And I was born in 1977, which is well past when it was legal to do that. My son, my youngest son, has Down syndrome. Lots of people say that that's another reason that you should get rid of children. And then finally, I had a child out of wedlock when I was 17, almost 18. And I gave him up for abortion, or sorry, adoption. I did not abort him. I gave him up for adoption. I did think about it. I mean, things, things come through your mind. But God put it on my heart to make sure that that child lived. So I'm giving you three specific examples of how you can pray and decide what's best in our government by prayer. Also, last thing, if you don't know how to pray, just remember the Lord's Prayer. It says within the Lord's Prayer, Thy will be done. I agree. If you can't think of anything, just think of the Lord's Prayer. Say, God, I don't know what to pray about today, but I want to be close to you. Thy will be done. I agree. Just look that up. Thank you for sharing. That's powerful. I appreciate that. Um, I know just because of time, you know, what we, what we say on Sunday morning simplistic, <laughs> and I know there's many, there's many uh, facets to the problems of our country. I'm not trying to make it sound like it's easy. I just want us to know how we can pray about specifically this issue and some other issues. So let's, real quick, let's, let's just do this. Um, let's, let's pray a scripture. And, or read a scripture and pray based on the sheet or whatever you want to do. Let's just, let's just take a five minutes and we're just going to pray. So if somebody wants to do that, let me just pray. Lord, we just, we just thank you that our, church, our prayers have power as your, as your people and as your church. Lord, we pray for our government that, Lord, you would, you would provide good government for us so that the gospel can go forward, Lord.
I agree. Anybody else? All right, Lord, we thank you for our country. We thank you for the freedoms that we've had. Lord, we just pray that you would continue to bless us. Lord, I I pray for our president specifically, that you would bless him. I wouldn't want to be president, (laughs) and I'm sure he wrestles with things. Lord, we just pray that you would speak to him and work through him for the good of our nation and for all those in authority over us, Lord. We we pray for them, that we would have good government um, where we can live the kind of lives that you want us to live. Thank you for the influence you've given us through prayer. God, we love you today, and we thank you for all you're doing through us. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, amen. Amen. All right. Um, we're, we're late, so we're going to dismiss. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up, and you guys can just do a song. And if you need ministry or prayer for anything, part of why we gather together is just to pray for each other, uh, specifically for anything, but specifically if you're just dealing with some tough situations in your life this week, and you just want someone to pray with you, uh, just, just make your way up here sometime before we leave, and there'll be people up here to pray with you and to bless you. Have a, have a great week. What's that? Oh, hippie wisdom. How can I forget hippie wisdom? This is from a hippie named Billy Graham. He's from, the, he's from the hippie era, and he said this, It is a great privilege as well as our responsibility to pray for our government leaders. Amen. <laughs> Thank you.